Find Your Focus is a recharging space for the ambitious introverted woman. Grab a quick energy boost and reflect on how you want to show up as an introverted leader in your personal and professional life. Here's some inspiring stories of people around the world who've done things differently from society's extroverted expectations. Your host, Heather, a woman's leadership and life transitions coach, founder of a restored radiance coaching for the ambitious introvert, international communicator and marketer, world traveler, UK expat and fellow introvert. Heather aims to help ambitious introverted women find their unique leadership voice and create life transition roadmaps from career changes to moving countries or cities. Join Heather every Tuesday to find your focus, to fill your mindset with positivity and motivation to go after your dreams using your own unique energy blueprint. Your perceived weaknesses are your powerhouse. Here is your host. Hello, ambitious introverts. It's Heather here. Today's guest on the podcast is Angie Safos. She is a mindset and life coach as well as an energy healer at The Net Life. She's really passionate about helping women believe in themselves and lead a positive life away from stress, anxiety, self-doubt, self-criticism, and people-pleasing. Her focus is to nurture and empower women to love and trust themselves so that they can operate from a place that is steeped in their values and feel worthy. Her deepest wish is for her clients to have the confidence to own their inner power and to recognize that they have all it takes to lead the life they aspire to. She uses a variety of techniques such as NLP, coaching, Reiki, and meditation, as well as knowledge gathered as a successful consultant in banking to help women confidently share their voice and set strong boundaries in business and their lives. She's also a published children's book. So without further ado, here's Angie. Hi, ladies. I'm so excited to introduce you, um, our podcast guest for today, Angie Savos, she is a mindset coach and energy worker, founder of The Net Life, and she's also a author of the children's book, Global Sebi Goes to India. Angie, it's so lovely to have your energy here um, with us today. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Heather. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so let's just dive in deep because this is a podcast for introverts we love to go into the the juicy like deep world of all the fun ideas and the topics so why don't you introduce us to your world and how you got to where you are today absolutely so i'm um, so i grew up in mauritius and um you know, then after, after at 18, I moved to Australia. I went to Melbourne to study at university. And whilst I was in Melbourne, I um, got my first job in professional services. And I also met my husband, so we got married. And shortly after, we moved to London, which is where I'm living now. And we were only meant to be here for like a couple of years, but then we fell in love with the place and the ability to travel. So now it's nearly 10 years that we're living here. Um, so yeah, and whilst I've been in, in, in London, I've worked in banking. So I've got about 13 years um, of experience in banking and professional services. And then I've decided to change career. So I felt that, you know, what I was doing, at the beginning I was very excited to wake up and go to work. You know, I, I was really looking forward to it. But then as the years went by, I felt like I lost the spark. There was something missing. I always felt that I wanted to help people, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do and when I got pregnant with my daughter I thought no that's it I need to change because I wanted every moment that I spent away from her to be meaningful and to bring me joy so I looked at every my experience over the years and pinpointed that I really liked um, best when I was managing teams and coaching younger members of staff and helping them grow and helping them overcome the challenges that they found. So I decided to then explore coaching and spirituality was always a big part and it always, um, I don't know, I was always attracted to it, but I found it really interesting. So I also then learned about it and included it in my practice. So here I am today being, you know, a coach and an energy worker. Oh my gosh, I... 
I love your story and I really resonate with, of course, the travel and, you know, your time in in London. Um, I spent um, 10 years living in Edinburgh, so not too far away. Um, And I know how much the UK can really pull you in and really you feel part of the the country and the culture. So so resonate with that part of your story. And I love the different ways that you've explored your own um, identity and your own skills and brought them to life in different ways. So I'd love to dive in more about how you pivoted and, you know, those challenges, because I know that our listeners, they're ambitious introverts. And so they have a lot of goals and they definitely want to bring light to life, their own life purposes. So I can't wait to dive in more. So I want to start where you were, you started into professional services because they tend to be more of a masculine culture. And well, I think us women are very adaptable. (laughs) It is a lot harder, I think, in terms of energy management to really adapt to a certain masculine culture that's completely different to maybe how you naturally live your life. And so would you be able to share a bit about how you start in the banking culture and then really your own life experiences and challenges in that and how you adapted? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I found being a woman, like, you know, in banking and in professional services, they're really male-dominated environments. There there were not many women. And starting out, you know, as a young woman, I found, and actually throughout my whole career, right, I found that a lot of these organizations either had no women in senior leadership positions or they had a handful of women. And these women were either without any families, right, or they had adopted a lot of masculine qualities. And for me, when that happened, like in the first organization I worked in, I found that straight away and I was thinking, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that there's no space for me? Does that mean that women can't thrive in this environment because the organization doesn't really have a culture that helps women, you know, thrive and, and, and be successful? Or is it that once women have families, they really can't manage a job like this, or maybe we're just not capable. So you have these questions like that for your mind, especially when you're starting out. And for me, I always knew I wanted to have a career and a family. I didn't really want to forego one for the other. So I told myself, oh, yeah, no, it will be fine. I might be that first woman who's going to be, you know, a partner in this organization. I might be the one who's making that change. And I'll come to that later on, like the third point I'm going to make. I'm going to explain how that actually did not happen, and this is why I'm here today. So that's the first challenge. And then the second challenge, what I found, is that the women that were in leadership positions were really strong women. They really knew what they wanted and they would cut out the crap, right? They would just see through the crap and they would stop it straight away. And the men did not like it. They would either badmouth them, right? Or they would make really inappropriate jokes saying, oh, you know, she just needs to get laid and go relax. And to me, hearing that all through the 13 years, you kind of think, oh my God, you know, you can't really be in that position and be respected and seen because when you're strong and you put your foot down and you make sure that people are operating in the way that you want them to, people badmouth you, whereas if it wasn't men doing that, no one would even bat an eyelid, right? And so, and the third challenge, which comes back to my point of, oh, you know, I'll be the first woman in that organization, that will be a partner. I've found that women do get overlooked for promotion quite a lot, right? And they don't get, they're not treated equally, um, especially, you know, like tracking that at that time, it was much, there was much of a boys club environment or feel in the organization. And I remember I, if I can share a little story, I was two years into my, this uh, organization. I had done really well. I was always an exceptional performer, really good track record. And I took on this program that would have usually been led by someone who's two years my senior, right? But I took it on, I led a team, learned about a whole new system, how to like review the system, how to test it, got along with the client, one additional work and did all this on my own, right? And so I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go for an early promotion because I've proven myself and I've done the job of someone who's two years my senior, so I can do this. And my colleague, who's now my husband, (laughs) funnily enough, was working on the same project three years in a row. 
He had training about the enterprise system that he was reviewing. He had seniors on that team. He was doing a good job, but he wasn't like facing the same challenges that I was facing, right? He didn't overcome all this on his own. And yet when it came to the results, he got the early promotion and I only got a satisfactory. I didn't even get the excellent format, right? And then I thought, hang on a minute, that doesn't make sense. And I just, I pushed for it. I said, you know, I want to understand why I got a satisfactory, which was a, 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 a like a downgrade of my previous ratings. And they came back and they said, oh, no, sorry, we made a mistake. You should have been an excellent performer, right? And I, and we missed that. And I'm thinking, how do you miss that? Because my whole submission was based on everything that I had done. But the, and then they were like, but I don't think you're not getting an early promotion because you're not really there. You did a good job, but you're not really there. And I was speaking to my to Alexi, who's you know, my now husband about it. And he said, oh, you know, no, you, know, you should push it. He's like, let's write a letter to the global head and explain that this isn't fair and do something. And I said, okay. So I wrote, and we weren't dating or anything at that time, we were really good friends. So I wrote a letter and I, sh- I shared it with him and he, he's like, no, let's just make it a bit stronger. So he added some bits in there that I wouldn't have added, right? But I thought, you know what? He's the one who got promoted. He knows what he's doing. Let me go with what he's saying. So I sent the email and when I met with that global head, he actually said to me, you know, this email that you wrote, it showed to me that you're immature and it showed to me that we, you really did not deserve this promotion and that we made the right choice. And I was sitting there thinking, and he was referring to the bits that Alexi wrote, not the bits that I had written. And I was just thinking, that is so funny. So I was just like, and I didn't say anything, or I just said it because I just figured there's no point in any way, you know, at, you know, at the same time in the email, if I wasn't comfortable with that, I shouldn't have let it, let it go. So in a way, it's my fault. But I just thought, you know, this whole thing and this whole situation just proved to me that they did not really think through and they didn't really acknowledge me and my talents and what I could do. I wasn't the first woman to change, you know. I was like, that's it. And, and there were a few incidents like that that kept happening when I was working there. And I was just like, I just started to walk away because I was like, this is not worth my time and energy. And I don't want to be giving my all to an organization that's not going to recognize me as a woman and my talents. So yeah, these are some of the challenges that I've encountered whilst working in, in these areas. Oh my gosh. And you you raised such a good point about how sometimes in, in very masculine environments, because of their perceived images of women or their unconscious biases toward women, they don't realize how they're discriminating against them. And if you, sometimes I found if you seek a mentor who's a woman, sometimes that can actually go against you as well, even though you get on and you learn so much from them because they have gone through the structure before you. And in a way, sometimes in situations like what you were encountering, it was really helpful to have the support of of another man kind of helping you get up the ladder or restructure something in a way that needs to be restructured but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter if that person has those biases to begin with right and so exactly you wrote some really good points of how you could try to get ahead but at the end of the day if the culture in that organization is set up to really highly discriminate and they they're unaware of that it's it's a lot of exhaustion absolutely and i think also when i started you know in at that time, they weren't really focused on getting women to go to the top and in supporting them. That wasn't really on the agenda back then at all. So I think that it's starting to get better now. But even so, as I said, women are there, but then they're not, they're just not appreciated. Mm-hmm. I know I'm making a general statement because in some cases it's not the case, right? But I do feel like that mostly that's what happens. Yeah, and I, I want to be very transparent as well to our listeners because I think a lot of listeners may relate as well. So not only were you a woman, but you're a woman of color in a very masculine white organization. But you yourself know directly your own experience and how that was doubly challenging for you. So would you be able to share a little bit more about that experience and then how you took those struggles and really found ways to shine your own skills and your own your own energy through in certain moments yeah absolutely so i think i mean from the 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 color perspective right i think i felt it and that and and that will just give a different view to people in a way i felt that the most when i change also um because i i do enjoy writing so i was writing reviews for beauty products and 
events that were happening in London, right? And I was invent- invited to this beauty event, and I went there, and there, were, there was a sea of beautiful blondes, and I was the only dark-haired, dark-skinned person in the room, right? And I was there, and I was like, that's fine, you know, I'll speak. But then people didn't really come and talk to me. Like, I had to make the effort to go talk. Like, you know how people mingle. Like, I made the effort to mingle, and I finally managed, after trying really hard to connect with two lovely ladies, and that's because I speak French and they were French. So we had this connection that made us really get along and we're still friends today. But it shocked me and I was like, why do I have to work so hard to be able to talk to people? Because I usually, you know, in the work environment, I usually get along with, you know, despite everything that I just told you, I got along a lot with people and I made so many friends everywhere that I've worked and I've kept them. So I said, I was talking to one of my, another French friend who wasn't there, who's a white, um, French girl grew up in a in a smaller town, and I said, and she and just as a bit of background, she married a Moroccan dark hair, a dark Moroccan guy, so her children are mixed, right? Like I am mixed. And I said to her, what happened? And she said to me, oh, do you know? Like I know that sounds really bad, but if I were there too, I probably wouldn't come and talk to you because I would think that you and I have nothing in common. And I was just like, and this shocked me, and this coming from she loves me she loves spending time with me right she always seeks you know to catch up and but i'm thinking for her to say something like that like it's it was helpful in a way because i'm thinking well i'm still a woman i'm still a mother i still go through every challenges that you go through just because i look different doesn't mean that i'm a different person right exactly but this this and you know that that keeps happening and then that's that was real and then it's even you realize that even your friends that you hang out with have these perceptions and and she's ever gimmicks so that's just yeah that that's just another example but then it's and it's different and it's showing it from that women as well have their own biases so i'm the one to say that it's only the men that are active that you know that bring challenging uh, um, uh, challenging um situations but it happens with women as well that's such a good point angie about yeah it's it's not only in one gender and it's also not only in the workplace right because it happens everywhere because those biases don't just end in the workplace after the the 5 p.m yeah and it's also a good reminder for for everyone to really to really be aware of those unconscious biases that they might be having because they have these perceived ideas that somebody from a different culture or religion or background won't have anything in common with them whereas as you know, at being a traveler, like we are so much more alike than we are different. And I've had so many amazing conversations with complete strangers who I would have thought, you know, we like we might not speak the same language or have the same background, but we have so much in common and so many common values. Mm, absolutely, because at the end of the day, you know, we're all humans. We're all going through the same through the same things, right? It's true the culture might be different, but you know, we still have the same feelings. We still have similar challenges that we need to overcome. And yeah, it's just yeah, it's just interesting. I found the point that you made really powerful about how you had to work really hard to be seen. And I really want to riff on that because I'm curious to know through your own experiences, how did you work through that? Because that's something that you have to deal with every single day. And some days probably are easier than others. How did you work to be seen in your professional life and, and felt comfortable and confident enough to amplify your own voice? Yeah, I think especially in the professional world, I would say I felt like, especially at the beginning, I felt like I had to work really hard to prove that I deserved to be there, to prove that I was worthy, you know, that I had something to offer. Like, I think I, you know, yeah, it was it was constant. So what happened, that meant is I was, you know, always doing my best. I would hold, my, hold myself up to really high standards. I wouldn't want to make mistakes. I would work long hours just because I want to show to everybody that I can do it. Um, and it, it does get tiring. And another little anecdote that I've got as well in the, in the business world is I was in this meeting with this man once and he said to me, Oh, I'm really surprised. Now I know why they've hired you, just not a pretty face. And I was like, I was shocked on so many levels. Firstly, I was, I was thinking, well, okay, so he thinks I've got a pretty face. Like, that was one thing I was like, okay. And then I was like, and he's 
actually questioning why I'm here. Oh my god! Questioning why I was hired because of my appearance <laughs> and my gender, and it's just but but all these you know all these little in like situational these little stories that I've got is what made me feel like I really had to work hard and I couldn't say no and that if I said no or let my boss was down they would think well we didn't really make the right choice hiring her but what I learned was that this they're all just jobs right all these hours that I was slaving away I can't get them back and when you leave you realize that actually haven't really made depending on the job obviously but the job that I was doing I hadn't really made a difference in the world and I wasted so much time and energy trying to be trying to prove that I you know I was good enough and I won't get that time back. And to be fair, they probably knew that I was good enough. That's why they hired me in this, because I got some hype. It's like, you know, I was the, the last position I was in, I was a program director. And, you know, they put me in that position because they knew I had, you know, the capacity. But I think everything that's happened throughout my career just made me have this work ethic of really having to work hard and prove myself. I'm curious as well, like in those, in that situation, how were you able to be seen in in those circumstances and and amplify your own voice i what i did was because i did hold back quite a few times and i found that i wasn't getting my points across and when other people make the point that i was thinking about i was like why didn't i say this you know so i then decided to just express myself because i thought they're paying me because they want me here because they value my opinion. So whether people are going to like it or not, I will make my point heard. And I will let go. I will make it heard once or twice. And if people don't want to take it in, I will let it go. Like, I will not stew over it because it just means that, you know, they've heard me, but they still don't want to go ahead with that. And that's their, their prerogative. I also, that's one thing that I did. I also um, did speak up to, like, when I felt that, things for being unfair or people were treating me unfairly, I would speak up. I wouldn't necessarily always speak up at the moment that it happened. Like, I would choose when was the right time and who would be the right person to speak up to. So, you know, sometimes it would be the, the offending person or sometimes it would be the manager, right? And I go to them and say, look, this has happened a few times and I don't think it's fair and I think that, you know, you need to address it. So speaking up is the other thing that... Um, I felt I had to do because if you don't speak up when something's annoying you, nothing will change because it's very likely that that person's doing it because that's how they are. They're not being malicious. They're just not realizing the impact that they're having on you. And the other thing that I found too was to identify what my values were, what were my work values. And to, when I was lost and I didn't know what to do, whether I should change what I'm saying or not speak up or hide or hide facts, I thought, you know what, what's my work value? And act in accordance to that. Because every time you know what your value is, it's so much easier to then make the right decision and to go with the flow. Because you know that you've been authentic and you've remained true to yourself. And at the end of the day, whether people like what you're saying or not, you're going to like yourself. Because that's all, all you've got at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, these are the things that I think I did. And, and um to kind of like be seen that is such a good point about finding and knowing your work value because it's it's like that north star isn't it when you're in the thick of it and it's hard to see the overarching themes or or the patterns because you're involved in it and it's and your emotions are running wild because of certain heightened scenarios right so really grounding yourself with your own values and reminding yourself like this is the basis for everything that you do and are your actions aligned with that? It's such a powerful tool. Yeah, it just makes everything so much easier and it makes you, it helps you make the right decision and even when people question you afterwards and say, why did you do that? Or that was, you know, you know, that actually maybe that's not in line with what you think or what your values are, but it is in line with mine, right? And I've also found many instances where when I, because I worked in risk, which means that you have to identify all the different scenarios and what could go wrong and be prepared for them. So when I naturally have this capacity to figure out what's going to go wrong, so I would usually warn, you know, the MDs where I was working for, this is what's going to happen. And they would be like, nah, you're just being negative. Right? They would keep saying that to me and they're like, well, we'll be fine. And, you know, every single time they've said that, they have not been fine. Right? And a, a couple of times I said, well, I 
told you so, right? And, you know, and, and eventually they were like, right, stop telling me I told you so. I know you told me. And then they started listening. And that's why it's important for you to share your voice and to speak up because it's true that they might be disregarding you or dismissing your, your point of view, but the more you speak up and the more you make your, your point heard, they will eventually like listen and realize that you've got value to offer and then come back to you. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's that slow process, isn't it? It's like you're kind of slowly nurturing them on the, the, the path to get them to where you are, right? Because I think one of the biggest things that biggest mistakes we can make or the assumptions we can make is really thinking that the people we're, we're speaking to or in the room with or at the table with, that they know the information and understand all the nuances that we do. And so like you said, if you don't raise your voice and raise these concerns, which you think is very obvious because of your expertise, they aren't going to be in this, like they're not going to have that same understanding because they're working in a different area or have a different mindset. And it's really your duty as the expert to really raise your voice as, as hard as it can be. And you will face challenges and you might face people like pushing back because you're challenging them to see a different way. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, and again, also, I think, and as you say, you will find challenges. And I think once you put your point across, if the person's just not willing to listen, just let it go. Because sometimes it's just, you know, you're just not going to, you know, you're not going to get your point across. And it's just a matter of agreeing to disagree and seeing what happens. Exactly. So I'm, I'm curious as well, because I know that you are a program director, um, but you were also led a team and you're nurturing them and mentoring them. And that takes a lot of energy, right? And when you and I were uh, talking offline, you mentioned that you're a highly sensitive person. So I'm interested to know about, well, first of all, maybe you could talk about what a highly sensitive person is and how they might be experiencing life. And how that played into, you know, just all the energy that, you know, you were, you know, giving to others in, in the, that role at work. I actually realized that um, I was a highly sensitive person really recently. So it was just last year, but I've actually realized I was one. And that came to me as a bit of a shock. And I don't know why I was because, you know, there's these tests that you can do online that kind of indicate are you a highly sensitive person or not. And I took about seven of them because I was not prepared to accept that I was one. And it's ridiculous because every statement that I was agreeing to made me understand oh, this is why I, I am the way that I am. Like it was so obvious, but yet it, yeah, it was so hard for me to accept it. So, and, you know, so finding out that I'm so a highly sensitive person is usually prone to, um, pick up emotions from others, right? You would pick up emotions from others, emotions from a room, loud noises and bright, loud sudden noises would kind of like scare you and unsettle you. Bright lights as well are kind of like unsettling sometimes too. Um, so yeah, you kind of pick up, for me, I found that it was a lot that I was picking up what was going on around me. And I didn't realize before why I was also tired of being around a lot of people. So it kind of really helped me understand who I was and what it meant for my relationship and for my day-to-day -day life was that I had to choose who I spent my time with because when I spent my time with people who were overly negative or complaining a lot, it made me feel unwell. Like I was catching it and it, I was immediately feeling it in my stomach. I would feel like I couldn't breathe as much, as easily, sorry. And so it would really affect me. So it meant that I had to choose, you know, who I spend time with. But even when you do that, you still, you know, even the most positive person you hang out with will have their moments. So for me, it was really about figuring out, knowing the signs of, okay, that person's getting really worked up right now. So I need to kind of protect myself. And that would be taking a breath, um, kind of like, because I'm also very spiritual, visualizing like a white protective light around me. I'm also, I also kind of like, believe in the Virgin Mary and her powers as a goddess a lot so I've got her on my this little bracelet that I wear and I would touch her kind of thing thinking okay just like you know give me this this strength and it's you know and it really works for me like it's whatever you believe in right? so I think taking a deep breath or sometimes if I'm having a conversation and it's getting really worked up and I'm feeling really affected I would just need to be like oh excuse me I'll go to the bathroom 
and take a bit of a breather and take a bit of a break because that's how I managed to kind of like deal with it. And I found, well, I also found like, you know, I would go to parties and I always found that I would be never really staying till the end. Like I would always want to leave at some point. And that's made me understand that that's because I always need my time to recharge because being around so many people is exhausting. I find it tiring and I feel like there's so much going on and I'm picking up everything that's around me. So yeah, I think being highly sensitive kind of made me, and I also know another trait for me is that if something doesn't feel good to my body, I react to it really quickly. Like I, I would, yeah, I would react to it. I would know straight away that something's not right. Um, I think it's like, it's really, it was really good because it's helped me understand myself and it's like a sixth sense that I've got. That's how I like to see it because when I go to in a room or in a house or in a restaurant and the energy is not good, I kind of like know that this is not the right place for me. And I also when I talk to people, when I speak to my clients, I can often pick up, especially when they are stressed or anxiety, have anxiety or are quite emotional, I can feel that too. So it's, it's like a bit of a sixth sense that I've got and it really helps me figure out what works for me and what doesn't. And you kind of need to address it because when you don't, you do get tired, right? So I think at work, that's why I did. And to be honest, because I didn't have that information available to me before, I wasn't, that, I wasn't aware of it. I couldn't really apply it in my workplace. So I do think that I did feel drained quite a few times because I didn't realize that my energy was going. So that's why I looked into ways to replenish it. Yeah, but I, I didn't really know back then, so I couldn't really apply it in that context, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I recently just found out um, last couple of years that I'm an empath myself, and it made so much sense when I found out um, about it. But it, in terms of like my working life, my relationships, before that, I was like, oh, that is why I needed to take time to to myself and recharge because... Or I could I couldn't be in an environment like that because it's way too charged with negative energy. And when you're not aware of it, like you said, it can be really draining. But when you are aware of it, it like you said, it's such a gift because then you can be more in tune with your body and your energy levels and what you need. And it really helps you manage your energy as a kind of barometer so if you are getting a little depleted you're like okay I need to check back in and recharge right now absolutely and it's like because you know sometimes if, if you're not that sensitive you might ignore the warning signs and ignore ignore it until you become you're burned out and you can't do anything whereas now it really gives you the view to take action really quickly because you can't not take action because it's kind of like you feel pretty crap yeah <laughs> you know so you do need to do something quite quickly about it oh absolutely I'm I'm so intrigued as well to find out how you transitioned from your work in the private sector corporate sector working as a program director and really started diving into energy work and your path as an energy worker yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, as I mentioned to you, when, when I was working, I did feel like my energy would drain really quickly and I would feel really tired, especially when I was pregnant. It, it was even more evident. But all throughout these years, I kind of learned, heard about Reiki and I decided to try it. So I was having regular Reiki treatments and I felt like it was really relaxing me and making me feel really zen and cutting out all the noise. So I did that. I tried meditation, and again, I felt like it was really helping me kind of calm my mind and get the solutions that I needed, right? So I kind of tried a few different things, and because I was open to trying a few different things, you know, I tried all sorts of different healings. I did tapping, everything to kind of like see what would bring me back to a position of, you know, being energized and feeling strong and feeling good. When I tried these things and when I found that they helped me overcome my challenges, I decided that, you know what, I really want to learn these for myself and for my family. So that's where how I started. I learned Reiki for myself and for my family. I learned tapping for just, just us, right? Because I thought that would be a really good tool to have for my kids too and my child when she grows up. And then, you know, as I mentioned, when I was pregnant, I was thinking, no, 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 yeah, I want to do something that I really love. I'm going to use this time to figure out what I want to do. I found out that I really loved coaching people and I really wanted to help them. And actually, the lady who taught me Reiki, when I used to go see her, I always used to think, oh, I would love to have a job. She would have clients come over. She would do Reiki if they need to. She could do some card readings. 
or she would just be like a therapist, like helping through the issues and the challenges that you're having and using NLP, etc. So I thought, why do I keep telling myself, well, I can't do it? Why don't I try it? I'm like, this is the perfect time for me to give it a go. And I know what works for me. And if it's worked for me, it's going to work for other, for, for other people, not everyone, but it will work for others. So then I decided to learn more and more and more and do the coaching course because I also thought, you know, that's the person who did risk management in me. I thought, well, if I do learn coaching and in the end, I, I'm not, I can't do it or it's not, you know, something that I enjoy or it's something that doesn't take off. I could always use that if I go back to um, corporate. I could always do like some sort of coaching for like workers or something. So I figured, you know, I'm not wasting my time. So I, yeah, I learned it and then found out that I really enjoyed it and that I just really want to help people. And I got so much joy from working with my buddy during the course. And I was like, yes, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And when I told people that I was doing that, I didn't tell everyone easily because some people were like oh, what what are you doing what Reiki what but a lot of my close um, colleagues were like yeah I can totally see you doing this this is so you you've already done this for me and you can do it so yeah yeah, that's how I got into the whole new career that I'm in. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I love how you raised such a good point for everyone listening that, you know, you were experimenting and you were trying and you were figuring out what works for you. And I think that is such a good point for, for women to hear that, you know, it's part of the experiment, right? You're, you're playing a game and you're trying to, like, each time you try something different, you're checking in with your body and who you are right now and saying, does that suit me? Does that help me? Does that soothe me? And if it does, you know, introducing that as part of your, your daily practice or maybe weekly or monthly maintenance, which is really helpful. You mentioned a few things, a few energy techniques, and I wanted to dive into each of them because I, I've, I've learned about them through throughout the years, but I know that they, a lot of people still don't know what they are and how they can help. So you mentioned Reiki, you mentioned tapping, and you mentioned um, NLP. So would you be able to talk through about each of those three energy healing techniques and how, how they can be helpful? Absolutely. So NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. So that's one where um, you kind of, it tells you that, you know, your subconscious mind is aware of a lot of things and takes in a lot of things. And you can actually reprogram your brain and create new patterns to change your way of thinking and overcome um, issues that you've got or patterns that you've got, right? So, and it also has a lot of around communication. So it's meant to help you really build rapport um, with, with others so that you can really have a good, uh, you know, because they tell you once you build rapport with someone, you can communicate much easily, you can get your message across easier and they're more receptive and more open to it. So there's these different, um, um, I guess, bits to it. There's also this thing called timeline therapy where you go back to traumatic events that happened to you and kind of work on these and overcome these so that you can move forward and let them go. So that's what NLP is. And to be completely honest, there are, there's a lot to it. I've only kept the bits that were helped but worked for me. Because there were things in there that I found didn't really work for me, right? So I only, again, just took the ones that did. So that's that's NLP. And then if you think about tapping and um, Reiki, if you think that, you know, we're all energy, right? It's all around us and it's within us. And the life force energy that goes through us and through our chakras, which are our energy centers, that's what keeps us healthy. So when energy is flowing freely for our body, we feel really good, we feel amazing, we're inspired, we have this general sense of well-being and we feel like we could do anything. But then, you know, sometimes when you're feeling a bit off, a bit tired, or even have, uh, feeling sick, it could be because, you know, your energy is blocked, right? So the life force energy that we've got can be weakened or disrupted by, you know, uh, repressed emotions that we've got, conflicting thoughts, repeated stress, anything that you've got that you're holding on to that you can't let go easy, right? So that's what could weaken your energy. And so what Reiki and tapping does it is it helps you restore balance, but it's just in two completely different ways. Tapping is kind of a mix of acupuncture and talk therapy. So basically, you work with the um, energy points or the meridian points of your body 
and you tap on you so you would identify what's the core issue that you want to overcome and you would tap on these points whilst repeating specific statements that would help you kind of accept the issues that you're dealing with and let it go and move through it right so it's just about restoring that balance and you can use it for different things like you can use it for phobias you can use it for trauma that you've had you can use it for limiting beliefs and pain even pain like i've had a lot of clients like coming with migraines or neck and back pains and you can use it for that it just kind of helps you move this away so that's tapping um and reiki is all about if you think about you know the source whether that be the universe or god or you know whatever you believe in it's that source that created us and made us who we are so the energy of that source is always loving and it's positive and it's just this liquidy goodness that you've got and Reiki is all about um kind of connecting with that energy and using it and directing it to someone right it feels like this really nice warm hug that you're feeling and it just helps you balance out everything and just really relax and reduce stress let go of emotions that you don't need to hold on anymore and it's just really gentle so it's, they're quite they're very different because Reiki you just have to kind of like lie down and, and receive the treatment whereas tapping you need to kind of be more involved and, and really speak about what what's bothering you oh that's such a beautiful explanation of all three and perhaps how it like how you can use it to deal with a certain emotion or maybe to to aim for what you want to feel like after the treatment so that's that's so helpful I know I have done tapping myself when I get into a thought pattern that I can't release out of my head and Mm -hmm. it's really stressing me out to the point where I lose focus of what I want to achieve and I'm just fixating on that stress. It allows me to kind of see why I'm stressing and the fears behind that stress, which is really helpful because as you're starting to talk to yourself, you're like, oh, why do I feel this way? Oh, this is why. And it's, it's funny how that repeated action just really allows you to see the root of the issue. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because it is true because they tell you it doesn't matter where you start, but eventually the more you say, the more the real reasons will surface and then the solutions will come up too as to what you can do to to tackle the problem. So yeah, I'm so glad you said that because that, yeah, definitely happens. Oh, and that's, yes, that's, so true about like the solutions coming out after the you recognize the fears because it's like that all those thoughts that are in your head that are circulating and percolating um, and you give them so much power sometimes and they you feel like sometimes these thoughts control your behaviors or how you're feeling and when you you actually speak it out and you hear it you realize how much control you are giving those thoughts. And you're like, oh no, actually, I'm more, I'm, I'm um, driver's seat here. No, 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 not you. <laughs> That's so true. And I remember one of my clients last week. She was telling me, oh, I didn't realize how mean I am to myself. She's like saying these things out loud. I'm so mean. I just need to stop. You know, because sometimes when you say it out loud, you realize how terrible that sounds. What you internally telling yourself. You know that mean voice that you've got. So yeah. Exactly. Would you be able to describe like where the meridian points are for tapping? Because I I will do this often. It's something I do if I'm I am like in my bed and I can't get to sleep and I'm just like fixating on this worry or the stress and not knowing how to address it. And it's a way for me to figure out, okay, let's get this energy out of my body and kind of name it. So would you be able to talk through the meridian points on our body that we could use? to tap yeah absolutely so if you had to do a full circle of tapping the way it usually works is so you start by the side of the hand so if you look at your hand with your thumb facing you it's that side of the hand there that would be what you're where you're tapping and when you tap there usually what you do is you talk about your core issue that you have so let's say you're saying that i'm feeling you know i'm feeling very guilty because i'm not productive let's say that's what your issue is right so you would tap and say, I'm feeling guilty because I'm not productive, but I will still deeply and completely love and accept myself, right? So you would say that statement three times while tapping on your on the side of your hand. And then once you've done that, you would then break it down and say, I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling guilty on different points. That's really simplifying it. So the first point is, 
on the eyebrows, like on the outside of the eyebrows, um, just before, like, like you know, starts on the outside of the eyebrows, um, you would tap there first. And then the next point is um, the side of the eye where the bone is, like the side of the eye. And then it's underneath the eye. And then it's underneath the nose, on the chin. And then you've got the collarbone. So when you feel your collarbone, there's this knobbly bit and it's like one centimeter underneath that, you could tap there as well. Mm-hmm. The next spot is, so if you think under your arm where your brass strap is, if you feel around there, there's like a sore spot. You would find a sore spot. And that's the spot that you tap. And then the last point is the top of the head. Right, so you would repeat the statements that come up to you and keep tapping for these points. But one, I mean, I know that's a bit complicated and it might be hard to remember, but it doesn't matter which hand you use, doesn't matter which side you use, both sides, it really doesn't matter. And also, and also you would usually tap on one point about five to seven times before you move on to the next. But if ever you're feeling really stressed or worried or anxious, like I would say easy points to go to, in case you don't remember all this, would be under the eye. So you would tap under the eye and then you would tap where your collarbone is. So if you keep tapping under the eye and on the collarbone and keep repeating an affirmation that makes you feel better, like I'm okay, this is going to be okay, this is going to pass, and keep tapping on these two points, you will find that you kind of like, at least it will bring you some sort of release and some sort of calm. So I think that's really helpful when you're feeling anxious or stressed to just tap on these points and repeat something nurturing to yourself. Oh, I love that. that helps. Yes, yes. Oh, I think it will do. Um, I know it's helped me, especially when I'm not being able to get to bed. And it's a real way, like you said, to release that energy out of your body. So thank you so much for sharing that technique. Uh, That's okay. And actually, one, one thing I've remembered is, you know, these two points I've just said, when I'm feeling overwhelmed because, you know, as if I'm highly sensitive or like, at work or if something's happened and I'm feeling quite stressed you could just go to the bathroom and do a few cycles of that that really 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 does help calm you down mm-hmm. yeah I think that technique as well like knowing that you don't have to be in a quiet space like your bedroom to do it you can literally be like you said at work and if it's a highly tense um, situation or you just find yourself really stressed or overwhelmed like you said going to the bathroom setting yourself in and just practicing that as a way to release the energy and help you see things a bit clearer and giving you that space to to address those issues I think is really important. You also mentioned as well the NLP and the the mindset shift so I think that is so important as well you dressed how it can it can allow you to see your limiting beliefs around certain situations and allow you to have better connections with whether that be colleagues or personal relationships and allows you to communicate clearer. Can you explain a little bit more about why that technique allows you to communicate better with others? I think because they tell you that everyone has a different way of communicating and so when you meet someone new or even if it's someone that you know and you don't get along with they tell you it's because maybe using different languages so a simple thing could be if you're, let's say I, um, I'm a feeling person, so I would say, oh, I feel this and I feel, so I use the word feel and emotions very often, and you could be someone who's very logical, and so when I'm saying, oh, I, you know, maybe, maybe you might be someone who's um, very auditory, right? So you'll be like, oh, I hear what you're saying, or oh, that sounds good. So sometimes when you just meet someone, and if I'm going at you and saying feel, feel, feel emotions, and you, you're like, oh, I hear, that there's a bit of a disconnect so they tell you like listen to the person you're talking to and then mirror what they're using so if you can see that they're an auditory person you would ask them does that sound good as opposed to does it feel good right so it just makes it a bit easier for you to connect and then they also tell you when you meet someone to mirror what they're doing mirror their tone of voice mirror the you know the way that they may be um sitting forward backwards because in a way that's also kind of making them feel comfortable but not do it in a very obvious way um and that really just if you do that and you do it in an unobvious way it will just make them feel more comfortable and you know you get more what's the word you get into rapport and they're more open to what you're saying and you can even use it if for example you've got someone who's really um 
talking really, really quickly and really high, you know, very loudly and you want to stop that and you want to bring them to your level, they say, imitate them, speak really quickly, speak loudly and then just gently reduce your speed and reduce your, um, change your tone and that they will mirror you as long as you've got rapport. They're going to mirror you and they're going to come down to the level that you want them to be. So, yeah. I love that. Those are so helpful, those tips that you can use, whether that's in a meeting, one-on-one with someone, or maybe in a group setting, and really acknowledging that, like you said, because I've worked in communications and marketing for for, uh, over a decade, it's about understanding the audience and really meeting them where they are, and these techniques do that. So any form of communication is so important, and meeting the person that you're trying to communicate with where they are. And then, like you said, taking them to where you want to go, but you can't take them on that journey if you don't relate to them first and they don't recognize you as someone who understands them. Absolutely. So like with NLP, they kind of break down the different types of people depending on how you speak and they have words that that person would use. So you can then use these words with them and, um, yeah, so it's, you know, there's so much that you can do with NLP, I think, and yeah, it's, it's a fun thing to explore. Oh, <laughs> you know, and also, as you said, also in terms of, sorry, reframing your mind, it also helps you pinpoint when someone's overwhelmed, they would tend to say, oh, everything's overwhelming me, you know, they're like overwhelmed by something that, that they usually make general statements. And with NLP, they teach you to ask specific questions so you can really pinpoint what exactly is overwhelming the person. You know, what exactly is affecting them? Because when you're saying overwhelmed, they would usually stay, you know, on the high level and you just need to really bring them down so you know exactly what's the issue that needs to be tackled. I love that. And I think what you're sharing here with the energy techniques is so important. So if a woman who has heard your message about, you know, finding and owning your voice in the workplace, and they're at a place right now where they're overwhelmed and stressed, and they don't know the next step, the next step is really what you were providing there with really identifying and exploring energy management techniques and and releasing techniques that allow you to get that overwhelmed energy out of your body so that you can then see clearly what your next action step is. So I know you are um, a busy mama as well. And on top of being a mom and an energy worker, coach, a mindset coach, you're also a children's author. So would you be able to tell how your experiences that we've just touched about um, have really allowed you to birth this beautiful book for children? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I was working and I was really busy, I realized I also wanted to have a really nice life outside of work. And I focused on activities that would recharge my energy. So, you know, have Reiki, meditation, all that stuff helped. But the other thing that I found really helped me was creativity. So really focusing on what makes me um, get out of my mind and flow, right? Writing is one of them. And I found um, when I was having a break in between contracts that I had this beautiful story about a child that's traveling around the world, learning about new countries, different cultures, different ways of living. And I just wanted to, and I felt like there wasn't really anything like that out there for young children. So I, you know, sat down and wrote the story, you know, from beginning to end. And I have to say that the writing part of the story is really easy, like that really flowed really easily. Getting an illustrator to do them images as well was so much fun. Uh, the hardest part was finding the publisher and getting out there and working on getting the bit published and the marketing side is probably something that is a bit more challenging. So that's how I really got into writing, really. It's because I really wanted to invest in nurturing the gifts that I thought that I had and also nurturing myself by doing things that make me happy. and. Um, recharge me right for example another thing that I'm doing now is painting that's the other thing that really helps me relax so it's just whatever inspires you and it just um you know you should try and and nurture that and it just so happens that I was lucky enough for the book to be published (laughs) oh congratulations that sounds like such a beautiful book and definitely something that I I want to um 
purchase myself for my, my niece and nephew. I think they would love it and learn a lot from it. Oh, lovely. Thank you. And then, and, you know, I've created, I've created a website as well, which is um, um, globalsevi.com. And you can go on there. And his first stop is India. So he visits India where a local girl shows him all around and, and how she lives. And um, on there, I've got free games that you can kind of download for your kids to keep them interested in that coloring. Um, and I've even got like some recipe, like a recipe of Indian sweets that's in the book. And show them how to say hello in, in Hindi as well. So that's all on the website because I thought that would kind of like bring, extend that um, experience of reading the book a bit more. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's such a good idea. And I think it, if you start to introduce um, traveling and that, that beautiful experience that you learn through the act of travel at such a young age, it really encourages um, children to have a more open mind so that as they go through their own life and experience and, and see their own subconscious biases, they can be a bit more open to change and acceptance and growth, which is so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's and it's really important to start young and for them to realize that. And even if you're not, if you're necessary, if you're the person, the, the child who's different, right? And you're the child who's got different beliefs and, and values. It kind of helps you know that it's okay for you to share it and that you don't have to hide them or feel like there's something wrong with you because you're not conforming. It just makes you really special, and it just means that people will love. You know, I'm hoping it will make them feel like people will love finding out how they live. Yes, yes. And I think um, as someone who could buy that book for um, my niece and nephew, I would actually learn a lot from that as well, because I'm constantly um, learning <laughs> more and more. And God, I'm, I, I feel like the more I, I learn, the less I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, oh, I know the feeling. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it'd be, yeah, it'd be such a beautiful gift. So thank you so much for sharing about that. Where can can women who have identified with your story would want to find more information about the energy techniques that you offer and the coaching that you offer and, and maybe even just want to, to buy the beautiful book that you've created? Where can they find you? Absolutely. So I've got my website, www.thenetlife.co.uk, where you can find out all about me and the services that I offer. And I've got... Um, social media accounts so I've got an account on Facebook which is called The Net Life and one on Instagram which is the underscore net underscore life and these accounts are quite good to to look at because I also publish tips around you know how to be mindful how to like you know believe in yourself so there's all these different techniques that I use um, myself that I kind of put on there as well so yeah you can find out all about me on there and you know, I would also love to hear from anyone, you know, who would like to share their thoughts or share the experience with me as well. That would be absolutely lovely. Oh, wonderful. And ladies, I will include all of the, the links that Angie has just shared with you right now. I'll include them in the show notes to this podcast episode. So please check that and reach out to Angie and um, receive some of her nourishing tips that she has for you. Angie, I, I know also because you're a, a generous, nurturing soul, you also, on top of giving us all these tips and insights into mental managing our own energy you're gifting the listeners with a lovely little little something would you be able to share yes absolutely so i would be really happy to offer um an hour of free tapping sessions to some of your audiences so i would say the first 10 people that subscribe to my newsletter on my website or through instagram i would be very 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 happy to um offer to do a tapping session with you so i would say head to my website and subscribe and send me and on the email the welcome email or just you know my email just send me a note saying that you know you've heard me and you would like to work with me and try the tapping and i'd be very very happy to have that and it's obviously commitment free so it's no you know it's a genuine offer from the heart oh wonderful that's such a beautiful um luxurious gift so ladies um if you are interested in wanting to expand your knowledge of tapping or explore tapping and how that can 
really um, release a lot of energy um, and bottled up feelings that you may be having, I would recommend it highly. You can see that Angie has so much experience and insight as well as just a welcoming, warm, nurturing personality. So head on over to her site and check out the information in the show notes and how you can reach out and get that gift. So Angie, thank you so much for your time today and the information and just sharing your beautiful presence with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've been really, I've really enjoyed this experience. So thank you so much, Heather, for like inviting me and giving me the chance to share my story. Thanks for listening to this episode. Hopefully I gave you the boost you needed to start your week. If it did, it would be appreciated if you spent two minutes right now to give this podcast a review on iTunes and then share the episode with an introverted friend who needs to hear this message. Your review will make sure other ambitious introverts who are struggling to find their voice and focus find this show and can receive the love and support we hope you felt today. Thank you. And remember, your perceived introverted weaknesses are your powerhouse.